0: Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us for another Freedom Rings podcast. And of course, as always, find this podcast where you like to follow and pull down those podcasts. But we're delighted that you are joining us today. And we have a great guest. How do we keep this nation free? Much of that work is done in our states, state legislatures, and our governors. And in Tennessee, we have a great governor who is doing a great job, who is every day looking to say, how do I make certain that Tennessee is more free today than it was yesterday, that people are more free, that children have the opportunity to dream those big dreams and make those dreams come true. And that governor is Governor Bill Lee. So thank you very much for spending a few minutes with me. I appreciate that. Um, Yes. honored to
1: be here. Thank you and glad to be on the podcast with you.
0: Thank you. And we know freedom's always been important to you. You are a typical Tennessee kid growing up on a farm that was in your family for how many generations? Well,
1: it's it's the fourth, fifth generation living on it now, so... um, I grew up there. My grandfather, my father, myself, my kids, my grandkids are now there. And um, it's been a very, uh, it was a wonderful way to grow up and live in a beautiful state. It's, It's kind of all of the best of Tennessee out in the rural community and growing up on a farm. So I still live there today.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that is so wonderful to have an heirloom property where you can have that family all together mm-hmm. and you can uh, farm the land and you all grow cattle.
1: Right. We're in the Hereford cattle business and um, many generations of cattle business. It, it's it been uh, helpful to me even as I found myself in the position I'm in. Agriculture is the largest sector of Tennessee's economy and growing up in an ag family and uh, recognizing the importance of it, of it for us and now being in a position to really support and help and understand the ag industry um, for Tennessee and for the country. it's It, it was a good background. You, you have a little ag background yourself. At least I r- remember yes. your 4-H years and your commitment That's right. to that. So
0: That's exactly right. And I think there's a commitment in that to what I call faith, family, freedom, yeah. hope, and opportunity. That's right. That's right. And uh, growing up in that traditional type background, you really value that. And one of the things that always impressed me is that you were someone who really believed in getting out there, giving it your best shot, but not... Worrying if you failed, you picked yourself up. Yeah, and
1: you know, my dad, um, my dad used to remind all of us. He he certainly was a strong influence in my life. I had there were five siblings, we all grew up on that farm together. We worked together, uh, we played together, and and he always uh, was one to challenge each one of us. We we're all very different. We went very different directions in our lives, but um, he he had that principle that if you you should pursue whatever you want to do and whatever direction you can go. Pursue it with all the vigor that you have. And if it doesn't work out, then you're a richer person for pursuing it and it will add to your success in future years. So I've remembered that as I've had failures or disappointments or things in life that didn't go the way I hoped they would. Uh, embracing that as, as as a lesson learned and an opportunity to enhance wherever I go next.
0: And I have seen that spill over somewhat. I know in your personal life, you chose to put an emphasis on prison ministries and helping those who needed to have a second chance. And you've carried that into your public life and that commitment. So talk to me a little bit about criminal justice reform.
1: You know, it's... uh it's interesting we find ourselves in the position we're in and we use our life experiences the things we did before we found ourselves here to inform the things that are important whether it's uh education i worked in inner city with kids and, and and saw the need for real education reform and that's been part of what i've done as governor uh whether it's this rural background and a commitment to rural and ag because of my back my past but I also, as you mentioned, got involved in a prison reentry work probably 20 years ago and began to uh, work with men coming out of prison and understanding that we really have an opportunity to, to look at our criminal justice system in a way that is tough on criminals and tough on crime, where we need to be tough, but we need to be smart on how we uh, view who goes into prison, why, how long they're incarcerated, and what we do with them when they come out. It's it's conservative thinking, to think about how it is that we can do criminal justice and at the same time be efficient and effective with taxpayer dollars. We spend an awful lot of money incarcerating people. We wanna make sure we do it right. So. It's been long something in my heart' it's, it's been for a long time something in my heart and now I have an opportunity in the role that I'm in to advocate for criminal justice reform that's conservative that is that is common sense approach uh, you know President Trump was one who sort of broke open this idea nationally of the need for second chances and I'm excited about in fact two two strong criminal justice bills that we're moving through our legislature right now.
0: And what would those bills accomplish? So one of them
1: is a alternative to incarceration. We recognize that, first of all, incarcerating people is absolutely the right thing to do to get them out of uh, danger, out from, from being a danger to the public. But for those who are nonviolent and who have mental health or addiction issues more than they have Uh, violent criminal issues. We recognize that rehabilitation is more effective than incarceration for for certain individuals. If we can sort out who needs rehabilitation and use drug courts, mental health courts, veterans courts, they are uh, alternatives to incarceration, then we don't pay $30,000 a year to incarcerate someone. and when we do incarcerate them, they're much more likely to become a hardened criminal that <clears throat> repeats crime. So, alternatives to incarceration is the first bill, and the second is a reentry from incarceration. Uh, I worked in this reentry program that, uh, that works with men before they get out, during their reentry, and then for a time of period afterward. There are a couple things that people have to remember when thinking about reentry. 95% of everyone sitting in a prison cell right now, or a jail cell, is getting out. There are very few who have life sentences. Those 95% of the people that are sitting in jails and coming out are coming out into our communities. The way we re-enter those folks will determine whether or not they recommit a crime. Right now, in Tennessee, 50% of the people that get out Recommit and go right back to prison, one more victim, one more crime, one more thirty thousand dollar a year taxpayer cost. If we can lower that recidivism rate, mm-hmm. we save money, we, we reduce crime, we have safer neighborhoods, and we establish families that are that are saved. Uh, that's that's a strong approach. Um, this ministry work I did had about a ten percent recidivism rate instead of fifty as the state has. We can improve recidivism and do it in a way that is best for taxpayers and best for Tennessee
0: and best for the individual
1: and and saves families yes. and and mm-hmm. real people that are that have dignity and that have an opportunity to be productive citizens in society once again and and at the end of the day that's it. That is a, a, a real victory for society and for, for all of us.
0: Yes, indeed it is. And as there's another issue that you've kind of broken ground on, constitutional carry.
1: That's right. We just passed a constitutional carry bill in our state. I'm, I'm very pleased about that. I have long been one who believes that the Second Amendment is incredibly important. It's very clear that the government should not infringe upon the rights of the citizenry to bear arms. The founders knew that it was important that we have that right. They had, they remembered a tyrannical government and they knew why citizens should have the right to be armed uh, for that reason. And so they wrote into the Constitution, it's very clear, we need to make sure that we protect and defend that, that, part of our Constitution, just like we should protect and defend all of it. That's
0: right.
1: Um, So we have constitutional carry in our state, and I'm very, very proud that the legislature uh, brought that. I I brought the bill forth, but we worked with the legislature to get it done.
0: Well, it has definitely made headlines. I've heard from so many people around the country who are applauding Tennessee for putting in place constitutional carry to return to individuals' freedoms right. that are theirs That's right, and helping to preserve those freedoms. Uh, you've also been very forceful when it comes to dealing with China. And I have found it so interesting, as I've opposed much of what the Chinese Communist Party does, that... Um, So many people say, well, you know, dealing with foreign countries is not a state issue. That's a federal issue. Mm. But it is a state issue.
1: It it is a state issue. And
0: as we have seen, uh, soft propaganda from China as they have made use of that through sister city programs and through... Confucius classrooms and Confucius institutes, we see how they're trying to encroach on our freedoms and then put their beliefs in place in front of our beliefs and freedoms. So talk a little bit about what you did with the Confucius institutes.
1: So what I'll say first is something that you would Not want me to do on this show necessarily, but I've got to uh, I've got to thank you for your work there in particular. And what what people don't know about you and me probably is that we've known each other for some time long before I became governor. You served in our state legislature. You served as my congressman, and and you actually have been quite an inspiration to a lot of people on the way. Me for one in particular, and. And then, as I found myself in this position, uh, people also don't know that I call you on a regular basis and say, <laughs> "How do you feel about this? And how can you help me with this issue?" And and the, it, this issue of China is certainly one of them. Um, you are you are clearly an expert on that subject and have spent a lot of time on the national level there. And and our conversations have certainly um, reminded me that it is a state issue that. That every issue that's national issue is really a state issue. Right. Uh, we are a we are a confederation of states, and as governor, we know that so much of the freedoms that we that we defend, and the rights that we protect, are done so on a state level. the The influence of the Communist Chinese Party. Is real. It exists. There is a. They have a long view and a plan to have influence as as any of any countries that are uh, that are not freedom loving countries. Uh, so they find their way into our colleges campuses. They find their way into our uh, into our communities through uh, through business, and their intent is obviously to take away uh, that which is that which is ours. So we have brought forth legislation with your help and uh, suggestion as well but to really just provide transparency around around funding from foreign nations into our particularly into our colleges and universities, Confucius institutes, by that name or any other name that uh, that allow, propaganda to be disseminated into our, into our universities, that's something that we don't want to be there. And we want to know when it is, and we want to know who is spending money in our state that we don't know about. So we've proposed legislation that brings transparency to that, and gives us a greater insight into what foreign countries are doing within the borders of Tennessee.
0: And at the expense of taxpayers on taxpayer right. provided colleges and universities. That's right.
1: And, and Tennessee classrooms. taxpayers need to know uh, what is happening on the universities that they publicly fund. Uh, these are their universities that they are that they are funding and they need to have full eyes on everything that happens there and this will allow us to do that. And we've we've uh, we have not paid enough attention to that in years past, mm-hmm. and now we see that it's it's something we need to be looking at closely.
0: Yes, and I think the Confucius Institutes are a great example of how they just kind of snuck in, right? And and, and
1: then they determined that those get shut down around the country, so we will find a little different way or name it differently. Right. Uh, what we recognize now and know is that this is um, there's intent. And and we will have to defend that, uh, defend our states against that intent from this day forward. And it is an issue of national security. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are there is uh, information that's being taken. There is uh, well there there is a lot of there's a lot of interaction between the Chinese communist government. And the United States, and it takes place in towns and cities all across the country. And so, the, the way to defend against that is at the state level.
0: I think it's important that the Chinese Communist Party know they're being watched, right? That's and right. that we figured out, you know, that this soft propaganda is very important to them, and that whether it's a sister city program or a Confucius Institute, we're not going to allow that to continue.
1: And it's important, too, to remember that this is, uh, this is about a communist influence, not, not about a certain group of people or a, uh, a culture or a society. This is about Chinese Communist Party and their influence and their uh, attempts to influence our state's. So, uh, it's, it's certainly important and relevant and Mm -hmm. timely that we, uh, that we address it today.
0: Yes, I think indeed it is. We look at uh, what they have done, the uh, genocide they're carrying out against the Uyghurs, how terribly they mm-hmm. t- treat the Chinese mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. Um, how a people from uh, so many people that uh, I know and I know you know also who have escaped from countries yep. that are under communist control, and the stories that they. Tell it makes us realize how important freedom That's right. is That's right. for us, and why it's so important that um, that we preserve it.
1: And it's why we should work really hard in this country to not take freedom for granted. I think, you know, one of the things that concerns me about our own country is that we have taken freedom for granted. It, you know, we're many generations from those who knew what it was not, what it was like to not be free. Those that um, those that founded this nation, they understood because they know what it is like to not have that kind of freedom. Every generation, we get further away from that. We we diminish uh, potentially the understanding of the value of it to to the point that we potentially take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. Our our children, our this generation, including ourselves, have been so protected for so long that we forget that there is another way, uh, and we we should. It, you know, it's part of the reason that it's part of the reason that I took my kids around the country, around the world, actually to other countries. A lot of people don't have the privilege to do that, but I did with my kids to say, you know what, America is very very unique. And you travel to foreign countries, you realize everybody's not free. Everybody's not protected, and everybody doesn't live the way most of us do in mm-hmm. America. And, and therefore, uh, we need to be reminded of that. It's one of the reasons we've made a real strong push for civics education, even this year in our, in our, uh, in our governor's budget and in the governor's civic seal, which we created last year. Children, Our children and the next generations, if they, don't, if they aren't taught American exceptionalism, and liberty, and freedom, and how valuable it is, and how rare it is, and how important it is that we defend it, and fight for it, and uh, protect it, then we'll lose it. Because we take when we take things for granted, they're taken from us.
0: That is absolutely right. And that is why we focus on making certain that we work every day to protect faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. And thanks for joining us for a wonderful visit with Governor Bill Lee and for joining us for another Freedom Rings. And you will find us at Freedom Rings Pod. And be sure to check out and follow Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marcia, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for senate and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings, executive producers our Conservative Partnership Center and and Marsha Blackburn, together we make freedom ring.